You're now listening to Primetime with Charles Reese, presented by the Bros You Think Network. Enjoy. What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Primetime Podcast. My name is Charles Reese, your host, and today I'm joined by two special guests. First, would like to introduce Lyndon Burton as he's joining us today. Uh, he is the host over on the main show as well as the creator of the Bros Who Think Network. We're talking Pels today, but before we get to that, Lyndon, how are you doing? Doing well, man. Always love being on primetime with you talking Louisiana sports, but we had a big, big David Griffin press conference with the Pellies, and you know how much I'm a basketball fan, and it hurt this year not being able to watch the Pels play late into the season, play right now, and play off basketball, and that press conference got me super excited so I'm doing well well let's get into this interview with Jake and then uh, Linda and I will talk a little bit about it after would like to introduce our special guest today as Jake Madison over from Locked On Pelicans over on Twitter at Nola Jake is joining us Jake how are you doing today I'm doing well thanks for having me on you guys hey talk about this Griffin press conference uh, in a that was a crazy day for news it seemed like the Saints LSU and the Pelicans were competing for who was going to take the spotlight? Covering a New Orleans team, have you ever seen such a crazy media day like that was? No, that that was pretty wild, and it all kind of happened somewhat quickly and you know a little bit unexpectedly too with the Joe Oliva news um, in LSU and him leaving, and then all of a sudden getting a new athletic director really quickly. I was joking around with Andrew Lopez of NOLA.com, the Times-Picayune, and he said their newsroom was basically just going crazy where they thought it was going to be a pretty easy day, and then all of a sudden it most definitely was not. So there was a lot going on on Wednesday. Yeah, it was crazy. You know, I, the AD stuff came out. I heard some rumblings, and then all of a sudden I got someone that I trust tell me that, uh, you know, they have their AD already. And at the same time, I'm getting information about the schedule coming out with the Saints. And it's like, wait, hold on. We got we to gotta pause for a second because I just heard maybe one of my favorite press conferences ever. And, and what Griffin said in that press conference, I, I, I don't know about you, Jake, but as a Pelicans fan, someone who covers this team, it – it excites me for what's to come. What can the Pelicans fans expect from a guy like Griffin being in charge of this franchise? Yeah, you know, there's winning a press conference, and then there's what Griffin did on Wednesday, which is just so far beyond that and kind of hit every note that you would want. He had tears involved in there because he was so happy to be here. He talked about his plans for the future and just came out of that sounding uh, tremendously. I think, you know, first and foremost, Pelicans fans should, should realize there's now a plan in place and a vision in place for this team when there hasn't necessarily always been that before. And you have someone who has experience on executing that. You have a guy who's won an NBA title, who's well-respected around the league and was basically the top executive out on the market that any team could have gotten and every team did want to get. And he chose to come here to New Orleans. He said he'd been very picky in the job, not interviewing for tons of other positions, but this is one that intrigued him and, you know, uh, realized this was a job that he did want. And if you're a Pelicans fan, it's got to make you feel really good about what's to come for the future, that they're going to put the infrastructure and everything they need to put in place in order to try and compete for titles and no longer kind of be this also ran franchise secondary to the Saints. So I think kind of shedding all of that, shedding all of the perception that they've had around them for a number of years and kind of just this being a new chapter and moving forward is exactly what you want to hear. 
Jake, hey, man, and I agree with everything you said. This is Lyndon Burton here, and I just wanted to ask you, this this press conference, uh, even it, it wasn't a lot said, but I think what was said had so many layered and so much nuance that if you're a fan and you actually listen to what they said, you could pull a lot from it. I want to start with, first off, let's start with uh, how David Griffin is going to do certain things with the Pelicans going forward. I want to start with head coach. He said that's his friend, and he said they go a long way back. How do you think we see the Alvin Gentry relationship with Griffin proceed going forward? You know, I I think it's a good thing that they have that history together. And Griffin talked about he he tries to build his team and his front office and just organization as a family. And sometimes family members have to have tough conversations with one another because they need to, you know, hear what the other person has to say. And that's kind of how you grow and you push each other to be better. And he spoke about that and said, with that relationship with Alvin Gentry, they'll be able to do that. Some GMs are a little more hands-on when it comes to the coaching, the scouting, and how they want the team to play and what you see on the court. Some GMs are not. I believe Del Dams was a little bit more hands-off. He did not have the best relationship with Alvin Gentry and prior to that, Monty Williams. And it sounds like you'll have a GM that's a little bit more hands-on, who has a good relationship with the head coach, Alvin Gentry, who he's retaining for next season, that when there are issues, they can talk about it and try and work through these things rather than just kind of let these issues continue. So I think that's a real big thing. During a lot of what was being said by David Griffin, I was sitting directly behind Alvin Gentry at this press conference, and he's there nodding along with it, just agreeing with everything that Griffin is saying that, yeah, they'll get in each other's faces, they'll push each other to be better and have these tough conversations with one another, which will help them grow and help the team grow. So I think it's a good thing that you know they're coming in kind of giving Alvin Gentry a fair shake. And Griffin talked about how he likes to see fast play style of play where you pass the ball a lot, something Gentry is known for coaching. And if that's how he wants to build a team, keeping a coach that he's familiar with who coaches to that style makes a little bit of sense from the get-go. It definitely does. And I mean, look, whether or not you like Gentry's tenure, you cannot take away the fact from him that last year they made it to the playoffs and he coached them damn well. And this year he held the ship together. So I agree with you. And then if you look at his past, I mean, he made those Phoenix Suns teams along with Steve Kerr. And like you said, they like to play fast. He comes from that brand. And I saw, a, and speaking on that, you have to have the players to do that. And I saw uh, somewhere on the internet, I believe, I, I believe it was Chris Mannix. He said that this, this, whoever would get the job reminded him of the Herschel Walker trade with the Cowboys. And if it's done right, the, the Pels can be in a similar situation. And like you said, we heard David Griffin say that, look, I'm trying to build a great team and I'm not I wouldn't have taken any job if I didn't believe we could win championships and he was very selective on his jobs. He could have took the Lakers job. He could have took the uh, a Knicks job if he wanted back when it was open. He could have took many of jobs, but he chose the Pelicans. Why do you think he chose the Pelicans and how do you think the the main question that everybody's wondering is how do you think he will play the trade? So I, I can tell you the reason I think he took this job and you said it, he's had a number of positions out there that he's been rumored for and been linked to and been asked to interview for and basically said, no, he was very selective. He made a joke to his agents who were there saying he's been a pretty difficult client by not taking these jobs 
or not taking interviews and therefore not making his agents money. And they were probably a little frustrated with them. But he said he did that because he realized he could be. And, you know, it sounds like what he started this process off with is not him interviewing to get a job and him trying to sell the owners on him being a guy for it. It's the owners need to sell themselves to him. And the franchises need to sell themselves to him that this is why you want to come here and not the opposite way around, which it normally goes in job interviews. And he said 30 minutes into the interview with Gail Benson and the rest of the group that they were using to make this hire, he realized this was really intriguing. And he said, I hope I don't screw this up because I'm really intrigued by this job. And I think this is something I want to take. And I really think it comes down to Gail Benson. And it comes down to Gail Benson giving him the leeway and and the responsibilities that he was looking for. He had said, you know, she he knows she's 100% committed to winning because he made a number of outrageous demands that he wants with this franchise. And she said yes to all of them. And he talked about trying to find an owner that he was in lockstep with. And he found it here with Gail Benson. And this isn't just a stepping stone for him or a short The way it comes off was he wants to be here. Basically, this is the last job he ever wants to have. And I think a lot of that is because of Gail Benson and the belief that he has in her and the freedom and leash that she's willing to give him to run this franchise how he wants. Looking at the way that the Pelicans were run in the past, you know, Mickey Loomis had somewhat of an influence and it seemed like you know, when Dell would have one of those meetings, either the beginning of the season, the end, whenever the hell they would meet, right, Jake? It seemed like it wasn't many times during the season. It, it was kind of just, yeah, you're doing a good job. All right, just keep doing what you're doing. With Griffin in place, is he going to be the guy that's at the top that answers directly to Gale? Or do you think maybe we may see a crossover again? No, you're not going to see a crossover whatsoever. Um, Loomis has basically been removed from the basketball side of things. He Griffin received the same exact job title that Loomis has with the Saints. So I think that kind of leads it to that. Both report to Gail Benson, and it's as simple as that. The, the way you got to look at it before was, yeah, Loomis had a title. He was involved, but he, he doesn't know basketball that well. He knows some of it more now, but he, he, he was not really doing much with that. And he said it, that his his job responsibilities with the Pelicans have been overrated. Um, and so it was basically Dell Demps more or less just reporting to an owner um, being proxied by Mickey Loomis and going, this is what I want to do. The owner doesn't know anything and says, okay, go ahead and do it. And that's kind of how we ended up in the situation that we're in with the Pelicans now. It's it's a similar thing, to be honest, here with David Griffin. It's going to be David Griffin going to Gail Benson and saying, this is what I want to do. Do we have the money to do this? Say yes. She says yes, and he goes and does it. There's no difference between the two straight-up situations like that with, with Del Dems and David Griffin here. The difference is you actually trust David Griffin to have a plan and execute that plan versus whatever it was Del Dems was doing, which was not really having a ton of a plan and kind of spinning the wheels to figure out on the fly what he needed to do. So. That's all kind of the same. It's just we trust David Griffin to be able to do this a whole lot more. You know, it sounds like they're probably going to end up hiring a general manager, if I had to guess. Um, and I think we'll hear more on that in the next couple of days. But ultimately, that GM is not the the final decision maker. The top guy on this side of things for the Pelicans is David Griffin. You can call him the executive vice president of basketball operations, which is his active title. You could call him you know, uh, the president of basketball operations, whatever it is you want to call him, he's the ultimate decision maker. Everyone else is basically reporting to him. And it sounds like Gail Benson isn't going to even be that involved with it because she's given him ultimate power to do what he feels is necessary to win a title. 
as opposed now, not as opposed now, if you're looking for the trade, I think the first thing, and he said this was he's going to try and get Anthony Davis back here to New Orleans to play some more and maybe sign that super max extension. I don't think that's going to happen. I think of course he should do his due diligence and at least reach out and try and make it happen. Um, and he talked about having a good relationship with, with Rich Paul and clutch sports, though I know they've clashed at times in the past in Cleveland, but you at least got to do that. And it shows that, you know, you still want to win here and that this is a new chapter and a new leaf. And if you can get him to return, all of a sudden your rebuilding strategy kind of changes a little bit. You look to maybe compete for a title sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, again, I don't think that's going to happen. I think, you know, you'll, we know what he's looking for. He's talked about this on NBA TV, on Sirius Radio, where he was doing a lot of work before. You want a core player to come back, you know, a young guy who has potential to be an all-NBA type of star. You also want to bring back draft compensation, obviously. And then the interesting part of that was he wants to bring back a role player or two, a guy who kind of adds more to the team than maybe their their play on the court kind of indicates. And I think that's important. We saw what happened to this team with losing Rajon Rondo and the players have even talked that losing him was a bit of a blow just for the professionalism he brings off the court, the film review he brings off the court, the studying he brings off the court, and teaching that all to those guys. And it was something they lacked this year. So getting those role players in who kind of bring that mentality and teach people how to be professionals for all the young guys you're going to have on a team is a big thing. So that's what I think you're going to be looking for, for him to kind of go out when he starts to explore the trade market for Anthony Davis. In a crazy world where he does get Anthony Davis assigned for a Supermax, look, I, at the end of the day, I, I feel like it's hard to get a true equal value to what Anthony Davis is worth unless, you know, you, you have an unbelievable draft pick that you end up getting. If in a, you know, in a world where Anthony Davis does stay, what does that Pelicans team look like? And is that bad going forward? Or do you think that this team can succeed if he does come back? No, I think I think they can definitely succeed. Uh, you know, if he comes back, you might then have a similar team to this year, which don't forget started four and zero and looked incredibly good to start the year. And we all thought they were going to be in the playoffs for sure before injuries really derailed that early on in the season. And with the medical staff likely getting increased and more resources, maybe in terms of the preventative side of things, if they stay a little bit healthier next year. Team could be really good. Most people had them in the playoffs. Um, and it was really just injuries that that derailed the season and kind of uh, took it apart. So I think you can get a similar team back that does compete for the Western Conference playoffs next year while also adding a lottery pick to that. I think if you get them to sign that Supermax, you buy yourself some time to not have to kind of trade players or trade first-round picks away and build a little bit more organically. And that's because if he does sign that Supermax, you obviously have him under contract next season then he can't be traded for that first year after that. So it's two years of Anthony Davis before you really need to worry about him wanting out of New Orleans. That lets you draft guys, see if they develop quickly, and kind of build a little bit more organically than you have in the past. And that could be a big thing for the sustainability of the franchise going forward. So certainly if he returns, they're going to be likely competing for a playoff spot next year. But realizing if they miss it, it's okay, and they're building for a long-term future. To me, it just seems like, and, and, I, and I agree with everything that both you and Charles just said, but to me, it just seems like, man, if you bring him back, it's just like, how do the fans respond? How does the team respond? And, and Gentry called it one of the most toxic situations in, league, in the, his 31-year tenure. I just don't see how you bring him back. And 
hearing David Griffin's comments on NBA TV just of what you could do with that trade. It just, I like the Boston, I like the Boston scenario. I like, I've seen people post about Toronto and Pascal Siakam. I've seen just other scenarios I, I, I like a little more than just keeping him. If you, if we are going the trade route, Jake, what scenario do you like the best that you, you've heard of? You know, I, I still think it's Boston is is the one you're going to be looking at, and it might depend on how they do in the in the playoffs a little bit. But obviously, you can build a trade centered around Jason Tatum. I think that's the guy everyone's kind of had their eye on when it comes to this. He's having an outstanding playoffs for Boston right now. He's 3-0 up in their series with the um, Indiana Pacers. Um, he's looking good averaging, I think, close to 20 points per game in the playoffs as a second-year player. They have a lot of draft compensation. They might have that Memphis lottery pick as well, depending on where that falls in the upcoming lottery and draft. Um, They have other future first round picks as well. And they have role players, guys like Marcus Smart and others that you maybe would like to add to this that can kind of bring a lot to it. So you've got a number of options there. Obviously, a trade with Toronto, you can build it around Pascal Siakam, who was outstanding um, in their game three the other night and has looked great all year. He's going to be the most improved player of the season, almost without a doubt. Um, you know, the draft compensation is not really going to be there for him. I think that could be a bit of an issue. But you can also get those role players in a guy like Danny Green, who's played well, who's a very good perimeter shooter, a three-point shooter, brings a lot of professionalism to the team, and a lot of playoff experience from a number of runs with the San Antonio Spurs. So there's, there's options out there. You know, depending on what happens to Denver in the first round or later, Maybe they get into the mix because they think they're closer to winning an NBA title and are willing to kind of make a big, splashy move to do it. They also have a guy who's their GM or president, I forget, Tim Floyd, um, who was, or sorry, Tim Conley, who was also the assistant GM here when the team drafted Anthony Davis. So there's ties to that as well. So there's a lot of different options out there. In terms of bringing back, though, you know, I, I push back against the thought that it, it has negative impact in the locker room and you mentioned it earlier and i don't know if this is completely true that alvin gentry kept that locker room together during all of this stuff look this was a weird situation this year but the locker room never really fractured in the wake of the anthony davis trade request these are all professional players you know it's one thing for us to look at this and be like how could he do that to the locker room but this is their peer and a guy they all kind of understand and they all want to win they all want to make money and they all want to make the most of their careers and they realize how good he is that he is a top five player and for a top five player to want off of a team and go to a way more winning situation to do what he's supposed to be doing which is winning basketball games None of those guys in the locker room faulted Anthony Davis for it. You even heard it at the end of season media availability where they all talked about he's an unselfish player. They love him. They just want the best for him. And it never really caused issues in the locker room where there was revolting or fighting or tuning the coach out or anything like that. Things for the most part were fine. And they were just going out to try and win games and do their job and play even with all of this going on. So I think bringing him back doesn't really cause locker room issues whatsoever. Okay. 100%. And, and, and you're right because you, you saw it from Drew, you saw it from the guys, and, and, and they are professional players, and these guys want to win. I want to ask you about Drew Holiday. We, from national perspective, if you listen to some Fox, uh, FS1, if you listen to other people, other people have been saying that they expect New Orleans to put Drew Holiday in this trade. We've heard from numerous people that Drew Holiday won't be in this trade. He's the foundation of what we were doing going forward. And we heard David Griffin talk about Drew Holiday in his press conference. 
Did, did David Griffin's uh, comments about Drew give you more clarification and more certainty that he's going to be the face of the franchise going forward? Yeah, you know, I, I would think the face of the franchise provided, you know, it, it depends on what they get back in the trade. But yeah, for the most part, I think that's safe to say. David Griffin was asked if they if he views Drew Holiday as a foundational piece to this roster, and he said, I absolutely do. And I think he realizes the value that Drew Holiday has to this team, not just his on-the-court stuff. And he had probably the best season of his career this year before the abdominal injury ended it a little bit prematurely. But we know what he's capable of doing defensively. We've seen him carry the team offensively at times. Too. I don't know if he can necessarily do that for 82 games, uh, but certainly he's capable of it You know, when you need him to, which I think is an important quality. But also what he brings to this team in terms of the off-court stuff. This is a guy we watch mature as a leader and become the leader of this team. He might not be the most vocal. He might not be the most well-known. And you would expect Anthony Davis to be the leader of the team. But it's really Drew Holiday. That's kind of the heart and soul of all of this. The guy who does teach players how to be professionals, takes young guys under his wing. Frank Jackson worked out with him last offseason. We'll be working out with him again this coming offseason. And I think that says a lot about what he makes his teammates, what he tries to do to elevate them as well. And you can't ask for much more than that. You know, certainly he'd like some stability here, given what he, you know, he's gone through with injuries and his family life for a little bit. I think he just wants to kind of have some stability here in New Orleans for a period of time. And the team's not really actively looking to trade him. If he comes to them after an Anthony Davis trade and says, hey, I want out, please trade me. They will happily oblige that and do right by a guy who's kind of given his all to this team. So, uh, you know, barring him saying that, I don't see a trade happening. And I think he's here in New Orleans for a while. Definitely a piece to be excited to watch for New Orleans. Uh, you know, if he stays here uh, for the rest of his career, Jake, I would not be complaining because I think everyone has seen what Damian Lillard has been able to do in the playoffs and it only, you know, it, it shows how good of a defender Drew is. And having a team that really, when the whole AD stuff came out, it seemed like defense was very important to not only Drew, but the rest of the team. Looking at this team going forward, we don't know what pieces are going to be back. But in terms of identity, how, how do you think this team is going to be? Do you think it's going to be more uh, offensively minded? Or do you think that we're going to see some defense being played in New Orleans next year? Yeah, it, it's, it's tough to kind of say this early when, you know, maybe half the roster is going to be different next season. Obviously, they're still going to have the same offensive identity, and that's that Alvin Gentry style of getting transition, play fast, pass the ball like they've been trying to build the past couple of years here in New Orleans. Defensively, I think they still kind of want to get it right. They regressed um, this season from last year um, pretty badly at times. Now, part of that was because Anthony Davis just w was not quite half-assing it out there, but not playing up to his usual level of play and has kind of left you wanting more a little bit during that time. And that was kind of infectious throughout this team a little bit. He also didn't have some really great defenders and guys like Julius Randle and others out there too during a significant stretch of the season. But they want to get better at that. And Drew Holiday puts a lot of pride on that. You know, when asked this year at the uh, opening season media availability, said, you know, I want to kind of make it a regular thing that I'm on that all-team defense list. And I think that can kind of get infectious around the team. And if they bring in some guys that are hungry and a little bit younger and a little bit more willing to kind of work on defense with Drew Holiday, you can build a pretty solid defensive foundation. You've got a guy in Darren Ehrman who at least has a reputation for being a, a very good defensive coach. I think, you know, he's kind of left us wanting a little bit more here in New Orleans with only one one good defensive year during his time here, but the potential still remains. And if they can get the right players and figure it out, it's a team that can be very competitive on that side of the ball.
Yeah, I, I just really enjoyed what we saw from that playoff series. The defense was really good, and, and seeing what Irwin was able to do with this talented uh, front or uh, backcourt and frontcourt for the Pelicans last year defensively, it, I, I just thought it was uh, one of the more exciting things about that series. But looking at what David Griffin said, the the whole mindset of small markets can't win a championship, and he said, you know, it's bullshit. And you see teams that have success in the small market, they build through the draft. What can this Pelicans team add? What can David Griffin add in terms of staff to assure this team has success in the future through the draft and the scouting department? Yeah, and, and, and that's what you see a lot of with small market teams. and It's their scouting market. Or any team that's kind of gone from being bad to good, it's usually done through scouting. And a lot of that is so important. Look at the Milwaukee Bucks and what they've done, building a lot through the draft. They drafted Giannis in what the mid-teens, I think, is where he went. Um, after so many teams had passed on him, that was a heck of a draft pick that worked out. Look at like a team like the San Antonio Spurs whom David Griffin referenced, um, and they've done it with a lot of Euro guys in the second round or late in the first round. They haven't had a lottery pick in a very, very long time outside of Kawhi Leonard, whom they traded for. So I think that also shows you that you know, you've got to kind of do it through the scouting department. Even look at the Nets, even though they, they're losing their first-round series right now. That's a team that's had no assets. They haven't had a first-round pick above 20 in something like four or five years, and they've built a competitive roster around that. Guys like Karis LeVert, late first-round pick, Jared Allen, late first round pick or second round pick on some of these guys that are key contributors for them. Um, and I think that's done through their scouting and it's all those teams kind of doing it through their scouting. And that's an area that is almost assuredly going to get a massive influx of resources here in new Orleans and was likely one of those outrageous demands made by David Griffin. He wants to increase all of that. He wants to beef that up so that this team in a small market and you can't beat the small market, you got to get some, luck going on your side too you've got to hit on those draft picks which is going to be done through scouting you also need to hit on fringe free agent signings look at a guy like joe harris who led the league in three-point shooting this year he's on the brooklyn nets he's a guy that kind of been cast off from multiple teams signed a minimum contract and he's now outplayed that tremendously you sign those guys and bring them in because your scouting department says these are going to be good fits for you and that they're going to outplay the contract that they have and that's how you you're not going to get those big name free agents to come and sign with you. So you need to make the most of what you have. And scouting is 100% the way to do that. Expect to see that really increased. You know, the, the Pelicans have been linked to Trent Redden, the Los Angeles Clippers associate GM, a guy who has a history with David Griffin over in Cleveland. He's known for analytics and scouting. If he gets brought into New Orleans, and I think you'll see him maybe as the GM of the team, that yeah, that's a, a good guy to have kind of leading all of the day to day of that, and that's where you'll start to see this Pelicans team really start to increase their presence and hopefully use that in the upcoming draft and free agency. Speaking of free agency, and you mentioned half the guys might not even be on the roster next season. There's one guy in particular that I would like just your opinion on on what the Pels need to do with him going forward, and that's Julius Randle. Uh, many fans think we should resign him. Some people have said that. But if you look at what he brings offensively is great. His What he brings defensively kind of suffers. I just want to know what's your opinion on should the Pels resign Julius Randle or not? Yeah, so he's got a player option. It's unknown yet if he's going to opt into it or opt out of it. It's I'd say likely opts out of it. It's only for about $10.5 million. He might be able to get more than that on the open market or at least secure a long-term deal that provides him some much more financial security. 
Um, and so, you know, it, it depends on the role you envision for him next year as a starter. It's a little rough at times with the defense that he gives you. The fact that he likes to play a lot of one-on-one isolation type of ball kind of derails that pass first style of play that the team's going to want to be running next year. Him coming off the bench, though, and doing that, that works. And he can kind of be your go-to guy off the bench. He's got enough passing ability that he can kind of create for others, and you don't need as uh, much of a intense intensity of a guard play at that point in time. So I think it can work with the right role. You've got to be a little bit careful with that, though. I can tell you, the coaching staff loves him. They love a guy who can grab an offensive rebound and go down there and score in the way he can. Or when you just need a bucket, he'll put the ball down, drive straight ahead, and he can score in a variety ways that is a good quality to have in a guy who can get you a score when you really need it it's just you don't want to rely on that as much as a starter and you'd like him coming off the bench if he takes that bench role and you sign him to a reasonable contract i think that that definitely can work if you can get him for something like you know 13 a year 14 a year you could convince me that a three-year deal is maybe the right type of thing to kind of keep with him there. And if the coaching staff likes him, that says a lot, but it, it just kind of depends on the role and the fit. And I think we won't know that for a little while, but if you get him to the right type of situation off the bench, I think there's, he, he can have a lot of success here, here in new Orleans. Well, with the Pels getting lucky, getting that seventh spot in terms of uh, odds for the lottery, maybe the Pels can get lucky again, but Jake, most important question for you today it is, you know, getting nice weather outside. Festival season is around. So if you had to choose, French Quarter Fest or Jazz Fest? Uh, I'm more of a French Quarter Fest guy. It also depends on the lineup for Jazz Fest. But, man, it can be so damn hot out there at the fairgrounds. And sometimes it's just brutal sitting out there all day. French Quarter Fest, you can at least kind of pop into a couple different places, get some shade. It's always just nice to kind of be able to wander around taking the quarter you've got the river there too um so i'm more of a french quarter fest person also helps like walk there from where i live so that's a big bonus that definitely is french quarter fest to me i agree with that but anyway jake we really appreciate you coming on today uh what's going on on the locked on pelicans network right now yeah of course locked on pelicans we've got more coming on the david griffin press conference about what we think his plans for the future will be what they're going to be adding to the front office and we're going to start scouting the upcoming nba draft soon too so subscribe to locked on pelicans you can find it wherever you get your podcast from just search locked on pelicans thanks again jake of course thanks for having me on you guys once again want to thank jake madison for coming on make sure y'all follow him over on twitter at nola jake follow the locked on pelicans on twitter and go and subscribe to them if you aren't doing so already uh lyndon what do you think about what jake had to say i mean it seems like he's as excited as we are about what griffin has been uh said in this press conference and just the mood of this franchise going from just despair and almost sadness you know, to see this whole AD era end, uh, looking back, you know, to a year ago when the Pels swept the first round of the playoffs, uh, ends up falling to Golden State. But just the mood around basketball, you know, in a year's time is gone from top of the world, in a sense, to <laughs> bottom of the bucket to now it looks like things are turning upward. Oh, 100 percent. And look, I want to thank Jake for coming on. It was super dope to have him and, and, and get his perspective on everything. I agree with 95% of everything Jake said, and I'm going to get to that 5% that I don't agree with, and I'm pretty sure me and you can have a good conversation about that, but let's get to the 95 that I do agree with. David Griffin is an amazing hire. The fact that he straight up was like, 
I turned down jobs. I was very, very meticulous in my selection. My agents didn't like that. That speaks volumes to what he believes this team can do. He And one thing that we didn't mention, I love the fact that he said, we're not going to be using the C word in terms of championships. You earn those. You earn the right to be called a champion. And that just gives you inspiration that this Pels is, team is going to get it done. Also, the fact that Mrs. Benson is not only one of the strong, no, not on, not one of, the strongest female in sports and one of the strongest people in sports. And it just shows you how dedicated she is to getting a winner. Everybody's like, why don't you move this team? Is your owner competent? Our owner is 100% competent and she wants to build a winner and she's going to build a winner, I believe. Because it, it just speaks volumes that he made these outrageous demands and she was like, we need you on this team. We need you to build this program. No more Mickey Loomis. You're the guy. It's me and you that we talk to and we're going to get it done. And I love, love, love that David Griffin's going to come in and build a team and build a winner in this small market and build it how you're supposed to build a small market team. Look, I've tweeted the video out. It's gotten a lot of play. It got a lot of play in the playoffs last year. Uh, just, you know, the band outside after a win inside the arena New Orleans can be a basketball town. The the oh, number one hundred percent. Yeah, you know, New Orleans top three in terms of TV markets, and they had a team that oh, just wasn't successful this year. And, no, but yet yeah. people are still paying attention to basketball in New Orleans. So the notion that this team is moving to Seattle, Gale selling it, it, it is so far off from the truth, and it's not happening. You know, basketball matters just as much to Gale as football. At the end of the day, she's the one that wanted. Tom to buy the power. That's what I was about to say. It might matter more because she wanted to buy it. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, she sticks behind Griffin 100%. Um, and I, I'm excited to see what, what's coming forward. But, Lennon, get into that 5% you didn't agree with. The 5% that I didn't agree with is, is obviously the Anthony Davis stuff. And, and look, I, I agree that you have to bring him in to have a meeting and talk with him. But my thing is this. It, I understand that these guys are professionals. And it won't affect and it might not affect the locker room. But for every Drew Holiday, there's a Frank Jackson. And let me explain what I mean by that. Yes, Frank is a professional, but he's a young guy. And you got to think all these young guys on the team that affected them in some way. And you can hear from their comments like Check Diallo when he was like, no, Drew's our leader. We follow behind Drew. We do what Drew says. And if you and if you made this notion that Drew's the guy and Anthony doesn't want to be here, I just think. There's a lot better, like, granted, Andy Davis, top five player and and everything, but I just feel that, yes, he's a generational player, but I feel like he wants to be a Robin and he's not a Batman, and I feel like we need to get a Batman. And, yes, Drew can be our Batman, but let's build a team around him. And I just feel like the damage has been done, and I just don't know if he's the guy for us going forward. I don't know how you feel about that, but I just don't think you can bring Anthony back. Yeah, I agree with that I, that, that uh, mindset as well. You know, at the end of the day, though, I said this in the pod with with the interview, it's that I don't think you can fully get what Anthony Davis's value is back in a trade. Oh, uh, no, yeah. unless, unless you get lucky, you know, in a dream scenario, you get, a, you know, two first round picks, a guy like Jason Tatum and maybe a Marcus Smart uh, and maybe even another player. But I, I'm not sure if that's what you get. You know, it, it probably won't be that great. But AD right now is a top three player in the NBA. And you're not going to get that back unless you're extremely lucky. And, and at the end of the day, you know, 
Griffin has to get the best deal he can. I'm glad the Pelicans did not jump on anything before the trade deadline uh, because they have an asset. And, and no matter what happens with the asset, um, I, I you have to put your trust in, into David Griffin and just expect he's going to do what's best by the franchise and what's in the best interest for the fans. Um, so 100%. Like, like Jake said with the scouting department, I expect to see a lot of guys coming in. Uh, I, I expect to see some changes there. And I expect them to put – you know, a focus on that portion of, of the Pelicans franchise. You know, the interesting thing about the press conference was the entire organization in terms of people that work for the team were at that press conference. It, it wasn't just, you know, the big wigs. The coaches were in the back. You know, the assistant coaches standing up, they listened, and they went immediately back to their office to work. And, and that type of mindset, I think, is what is going to propel this franchise into becoming a contender and, you know, winning that C word is something David Griffin said. He mentioned the championship, championship team, and he said, we're not going to talk about that because that is earned. Being able to talk about that is earned, and they haven't earned that yet. And, and that mindset, if that's how you're going to run this franchise, I, I see success in the future. Oh, 100%. That, that gave me spurs as feelings. And something you said in the interview that I wanted to bring up, that this is that he's, this seems like this might be his last job. He wants his job for life. You know, that gives me vibes of R.C. Buford in, in, in um, San Antonio. We have a great owner. We have a now we have a president of basketball operations who knows basketball and who's 100 percent in charge. And like Jake said, he might bring in uh, I forget the guy's name, but the, the homie from um, I believe it was the Clippers or. It, yeah, I, it's I the guy from the Clippers. It's, yeah, uh, and, I have to look up his name. I think his last name's like Redden. Yeah, I think it's like it's something with a T written. But if he brings him in, that's another good guy. Analytics, he knows that he's a good scouter. That builds the draft. You gotta build this like small markets. We talked about one of the teams who built a great team being in a small market. That's Denver. Look at how they did it. They did it through the draft. If you look at Golden State before they blew up, they did it through the draft. All these teams who are small markets, you have to do it through the draft. And David Griffin, by adding scouts, by adding people, he's going to do it the right way. And assuming that you do trade Anthony Davis, you have your pick this year, which is potential lottery, you, which could be top or not. You have whatever you get in compensation, which could maybe be another lottery pick. You can OKC this thing in one year. And then after that, you build through the draft. You let these young guys develop. And like Jake said, you get those second rounders. You get those guys who are in the late, late parts of the first round who you who can bolster a team. And if you get lucky, that's how you build a championship team. And like you said, Charles, I'm super excited to see what David Griffin does. I can't wait till the draft comes. I'm low-key waiting for this playoff to end so we can get to the draft because I'm ready to see what this Pels team can build going forward. Yeah, I agree with you there, Lyndon. And, you know, you get a healthy team. It, it seems like now that Dell Dimps is gone, you know, I, I would love to talk to some players to get the overall perception of Dell in terms of league-wide by the players. But it seems like guys didn't want to play for Dell. It wasn't the franchise. It wasn't the teammates. It wasn't the coach. It seemed like Dell was the problem with acquiring talent that were free agents. Do you think the Pelicans are going to have more success bringing in guys from the outside? I, I think it's this. Dell was that guy, like for example, like a used car salesman. When you first get there, it's like, oh yeah, he's chipper, he's nice, he can sell a good game. But when you finally get into that, that clunker, it's like, oh man, this isn't a good situation. I just think he was 
maybe not the most competent GM, and, and it proves because he the things he tried to do instead of going through the draft, he tried to get these he, these vets, these these vets who were maybe injured, who were a little bit young, and it just didn't pan out. And I think after that happened, when he was trying to get free agents, they just didn't buy that he understood what he was doing or that he had a good plan. And I think with a guy like David Griffin and determining whatever happens with AD, whether or not we trade him or not, or if we get a top player back, I think we will be able to attract free agents. And like, and like Jake said, it might not be the top guys right away, but we can get the Joe Harris's and people like that to build the team up. And then if, and if we start winning games, get to the playoff, I think we will attract bigger names to make this team a championship team. But I think for the most part right now, it will make us, uh, I think David Griffin will be able to sell what the Pelicans are building and can, and we'll be able to show for it. And we'll get maybe not the top, top guys, but we'll get solid role players to make us become playoff and to make us become contenders. Yeah, an exciting time for Pelicans basketball. Look, Alvin Gentry said this team is going to be in the playoffs next year. Uh, he almost, he pretty much guaranteed it. Yeah, I know that was wild. <laughs> like, you know, I want to, I want to know what he knows that we don't know. <laughs> looking at what the Pelicans can do in the off season, there's so many questions to be asked that we won't know until when the lottery is figured out, the draft yeah. happens, and then guys figure out. Who's coming back? Who's taking player options? And what teams are releasing certain players? And then that's not even talking about the trade that is going to happen inevitably with Anthony Davis. So Before I, you I, close, I want to ask you this. And you said, and you just said it. We won't know until after the lottery, until the draft. Do you think, assuming that he, the meeting with Anthony doesn't go well, do you think he gets traded draft night? I, I, look, if this draft is important and you're trying to target a certain player in this year's draft, I, I think that that trade happens before the draft, um, especially if you're going to talk about the number one overall pick or the number two overall pick. Look, even if it's a trade with a team that you get a three, four or five pick, I still think there's a lot of talent. You know, the Pelicans, let's say they don't move up. They get seventh and they get through the Anthony Davis trade, you know, the third or fourth pick. You can always package that, or more so, you can get two potential starters right there. You know, I, I think that in terms of the best interest of the franchise, getting this trade dealt with sooner rather than later is going to benefit the franchise moving forward. No, I agree with you. And, and assuming that does happen, you can okay see it. You can get, like you said, two starters. And then I just, I just don't know. The question is, when can Boston trade, and does that happen before the draft? And if and if we are trading before the draft, does that mean we're, we're trading with someone else in Boston? And what can they package? I think you're right. It's gonna if if I don't know if the draft happens before Boston Kyrie Irving's birds rights, but if we are trading before the, before the draft, and once we know those picks, then that means we're probably getting a good good pick in advance to where we can do that. Yeah, I agree there. Look, it's going to be an exciting thing to watch David Griffin work. A lot of this work, we're not going to hear about it. And, For a while, yeah. And, you know, the good thing, though, at the end of the day is we trust David Griffin. Uh, we definitely trust him a hell of a lot more than who was in charge in the past on in terms of handling this trade. Because we know what David Griffin thinks Anthony Davis is worth. Like Jake said, he said this publicly. You know, he said that he thinks you should be getting an all-NBA-type player two role players, and multiple first-round picks. And I don't think David Griffin is going to take less. 
And, you know, you know, yeah, you're right. You know, in, in terms of things that I've heard, or, or, you know, being whispered around, it, it sounds like, you know, Danny Ainge really wants Anthony Davis at, at all costs. No, you know, no matter what it takes, he wants Anthony Davis. And if Boston, if we have the leverage at the end of the day, I think that Boston is, is probably the most likely place for him to go. Um, but there are a couple other places. You know, you spoke about Toronto. I've seen the Knicks scenario played out. And the I've Clippers. I've seen the Clippers scenario played out. But with the Knicks and the Clippers scenarios, I, I still don't think you're getting an all-NBA type player. Uh, no, you know? you're right. So I, I don't think that's realistic destinations. Um, but I, I, look, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I'm excited to see uh, what's going to happen also with the lottery as David Griffin has won the lottery odds before with an even lower percentage chance than he has right now with the Pelicans. So uh, I, I'm look, Lyndon, it's an exciting time, not only for the Pelicans, but for sports as a whole in the state. No, it really is, man. And like you said, I, I, I mean, you've talked about this off air. I don't like that Clippers thing because I don't believe that. And, and a lot of people disagree with me, but I don't believe Shea Gilgis Alexander is that he's going to be an all-star type of player. I believe he's going to be a solid player and a good player, but I don't believe he's that transcended, that star, which David Griffin thinks you should get in return. And like you said, the Knicks, Kevin Knox isn't that. Yes, if you get the first-round pick from them, that's great, but they're going to have to do more. They're going to have to give you that first-round pick and a couple other future picks as well as a Kevin Knox and probably a couple other players. But like you said, I think the Boston move is is probably the best – as Pascal Siakam keeps playing better and better, I really like what Toronto can bring. But in terms of picks, they can't give you something. So I don't know how that deal would work. But like you said, Charles, it's a great time to be a sports fan. Will Wade's coming back. Oliva's gone. Pelicans have David Griffin. Saints are, Saints are gearing up, making moves, about to do OTAs and all that stuff. I'm ex- And also the NFL draft. I'm excited to see how Louisiana sports go about themselves next year because I think we will have a lot more winners and a lot more happy faces around the state and unlike this year yeah an exciting time for all athletics whether it be Baton Rouge or New Orleans with professional sports uh and look Lyndon a lot's going on with the NBA playoffs um I know we don't really cover much in terms of the national picture but since we had Jake on we're talking basketball what have your thoughts been so far what we've seen uh first through the, pretty much the first three games in most series. For, let's start off in the West. Uh, the Rockets have been blowing out Utah, which has been to my surprise. I thought Utah would have put up a better fight, and I, I, I still think they can, but I don't know if they have enough firepower to match James Harden. OKC, I thought, would make a better series against Dame Lillard after what we saw the Pels do. And like you said, how Drew Holiday locked up, I thought those guys would have taken keys from that. And it just, they haven't done that. They're leading, this, uh, Portland's leading the series 2-1. They won last night. But Paul George is playing with one shoulder, it seems. And, and I, I just don't know if OKC can win. Now, if they win another game at home and if Portland loses that series, I think that team needs to be blown up. But in the West, also another thing, the Spurs shocking Denver. And we, we, me and you both thought Denver could maybe make a Western Conference Finals. And right now the Spurs are just whooping them and showing they don't have enough firepower. As much as Jokic is a great player, we needed, well, we expected a Jamal Murray or a Gary Harris to become that next level. And if one of those guys don't, they can't win that series. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes forward. And look, the Warriors, yes, they blew a 31-point lead. KD came back and balled out. I don't think 
we see the Warriors lose to the Clippers. Now, if they play like they've been playing now, they're going to lose to the Rockets. They have to elevate and get to that level that they were at. But I'm not really concerned with them. In the East, Boston dominating 3-0. Boston's finally looking how we expected them, them to look. And I'm really liking Boston more and more each day. It's going to be very interesting to see who they play in the second round. The Nets, I, I, I thought they would push them seven. Philly right now, I believe, is up to one. I don't know if the Net and or they played today. I don't know if uh, the Nets won today. Um, hold on, let me see. This the Sixers won. They lead three one right now. Yeah, the Sixers are leading three one. Yeah, I, I think that series is over. As as much as you, as much as I like the Nets, and I, they just don't have enough. I think the Sixers are going to win that. But in the East, which is which has been getting me excited, is the Raptors. The Raptors lead two one. Pascal Siakam has been killing. And once Kawhi Leonard gets on board and starts making shots and gets hot, same with Kyle Lowry. If Pascal can keep playing like he is, they're going to be tough to beat because Marcus Saul has been looking good. And I'm very interested to see if the Raptors will play the uh, the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. And if that happens, boy, are we in for a treat. Yeah, I agree there. You know, looking at the West, um, you know, the Thunder winning at home, you know, it really isn't a series until you get the first loss on the road, right? Facts. So the playing in OKC is hard. Can OKC steal one in, in Portland? I think they can. Look, they, they definitely have more firepower, in my opinion, than the Trailblazers. They just need to learn how to play some defense. No, uh, you're absolutely right. Do you think Paul George's injury is affecting that at all? It, it shouldn't be. Not on the defensive side. And, and, you know, the crazy thing is that they have Westbrook guarding Lillard. And, and while I, I think that's a smart move, at the end of the day, maybe it's time to switch those two guys up and maybe put Paul George on Lillard. But you you watch the highlight f- uh, film from what Lillard has done in the series, and it's like the shots that they're leaving him open for, it, it just blows my mind that these are the shots that they're not guarding him on. They don't understand how they're, they're supposed to play help because every time they do that pick and roll, they don't track. Like the big man doesn't go out and hedge that screen enough and every time the defender's going under the screen. So if the big man's not hedging out enough and you're going under, they're getting three-point shots. Like I've seen, like, like you said, CJ McCollum and Dame have been getting those shots at will. And it's it's mind-blowing to see the replay. Last night, I will say the best person I saw guard Dame Lillard, and this is something they might need to take in, into account and maybe start this guy. Dennis Schroeder guarded Dame the best, more better than Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook was just doing it like getting in that stance, getting half court for show, because the moment that screen came, he just started walking, and he wouldn't go around. He wasn't pushing through. Dennis Schroeder pestered Dame Lillard to uh, to the nth degree, and that's why I think it worked better in the fourth last night, because they were about to come back and win that game, but Dennis Schroeder made a couple good stops, and Ennis Cantor can't really play off the pick and roll, and that's why they've been scoring, but I agree with you. If it's not Paul George guarding Dame Lillard, maybe it needs to be Dennis Schroeder, because Russell Westbrook hasn't been doing a good job. And it's crazy because Ehrman and the Pelicans gave you a blueprint on how to shut those two guys down. Yeah, definitely there. Look, Lyndon, I I think this NBA playoffs have been exciting. I don't think, you know, it's crazy. Last year, the Pelicans were the only one to sweep. If Boston can pull off the sweep in game four, uh, it'll be similar to last year where only one team ended up sweeping in the first round. But so many of these series going 1-1 early, uh, it's been very intriguing you know you talked about the Nuggets Spurs right now Spurs are up by one they're playing at home in game four with the lead 2-1 in the series that, that series is it, it's just it's hard to wrap my mind around it's you know? entertaining man and I, I 
Charles, and, and you know we were big fans of the Nuggets going in this year. We were fans of them last year. But it comes down to the fact that Jamal Murray isn't playing to what he's supposed to play at. He's not, he, he's not becoming that star. And if he doesn't do that, the Nuggets are in big trouble. And I can't forget to mention the Bucks are up 2-0. They'll probably go up 3-0 without yeah, Blake. Yeah, series. Yeah, it's probably a sweep. Um, but, you know, the interesting game for me tonight is the Jazz coming home. Uh, how do the Jazz play at home? Look, I, th- I think the Jazz have a great coach. I-, I think they have great players that buy into a system. It's just their shots aren't falling, and it- their defense just seems to not be where I expected it to be in the series. Uh, it seems like Gobert doesn't have as much of an effect as you know, you and I talked before the series started, we thought he would have a, a bigger impact on the series, and it just hasn't been there so far. No, got to give a credit where credit is due to Kenneth Fareed and Clint Capella and, and those nut and those Rockets bigs because you're right, Gobert hasn't been doing much. Donovan Mitchell's shot hasn't been falling, but like you said, it's not a playoff series until the uh, the team wins on the road. We'll see if the Raptors win. If the Ra- I mean, if the Rockets win tonight. I think they sweep them, and it's crazy because Utah was one of these teams that we thought could make a push for a Western Conference Finals because of what they had and how they looked last year. I, I just, I'm, I'm like you, I'm perplexed by Utah, and I don't really know what's going on over there. Yeah, so far combined, uh, the margin of victory is 52 points favoring the Rockets, and that's Jeez. a 32-point win and a 20-point win. So it's been blowout so far. Interesting series to watch. Before we get out of here, Lyndon, I want to ask, your opinion on, on what's going to happen with the Warriors without Boogie. How do you think that affects them going forward? I mean, look, it it is going to affect them because you got to think for the last 30 or so games, they've been trying their hardest to put them, put him in position into this, into the lineup, get them fluctuating, get them going right. And now with, and also he was a rim protector. He was not necessarily a rim protector where he could block shots, but he was a big body to where he could alter shots. He was a big man that could get you big buckets in case uh, Steph, Clay, and, and uh, KD were making shots. Now they do have Bogut, and they are the Warriors. I think it doesn't affect them as much as it would have affected another team. I think it does affect them, though, and it puts more earnest on KD, Clay, and Steph to really ball out because they have to. They can't lose this. They can't lose to a Clippers or Rockets. They have to win. And, it, and it's going to require their star players to play better. And it's going to require Draymond to be that rim protector and, and get more rebounds. But does this stop them from winning another championship? I don't think so. I just think it will. It won't. It might not make it harder for them in the West. But if they play a team like the Raptors or the Celtics, ask me that question then, because then it'll be interesting. Yeah, I agree. There are lots of exciting things to watch as the NBA playoffs are in full swing. Um, But just want to thank everyone that's been paying attention, been following us. Uh, This is episode 51. We've eclipsed the 50 mark. Um, We probably did that a while ago. Just keeping up with the number. Uh, We have passed 50 now. So uh, really excited to see what's coming up in the next year as sports continues to be a trending topic in Louisiana. Uh, If y'all don't do so already, Go subscribe to the Bros Who Think Network, either on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. We're on all media platforms uh, these days. Make sure you check out the website, broswhothink.com, and make sure you check out the other podcast along the network. But with that, Lyndon, what else is coming out in the network this week? 
So this week you have another edition of the main show, Bros You Think Podcast. You can check that out on Thursday. All shows will be released on their respective days this week because last week we just had a snafu because I went to the beach and we had to get thank we had to get you guys your content. So you got it early, but the Bros You Think Podcast will be out this Thursday as always, and on Friday you can check out Bros Who Binge, where me and Schubert will be talking movies and reviewing Game of Thrones. Because you guys know we got to talk Thrones and a whole bunch of other stuff. As well as Avengers Endgame's coming out this week. So that's going to be big. We're going to be reviewing that. As well as getting you guys' thoughts on Avengers Endgame. And by that I mean on every podcast from now going forward on Bros on Bros Who Binge. If there's a big movie or if there's a movie that we, we want to talk to you guys about, we're going to be doing something called a five-word or less review. It's going to be a YouTube content. It's going to be Twitter content as well as on the podcast. But basically, after the movie, we're going to be coming up to you guys, the fans, if we're in your theater, and we're going to be asking you in five words or less, would you think of the movie that we just saw? And we're going to find out from you guys if it was good or if it's bad, and then we'll give our thoughts on it after. But you can find that this Friday on the Bros Who Binge podcast, as well as on our YouTube channel. And speaking of our YouTube channel, now that we have Bros Binge exclusive content, that's going to be there, but we also have Anime Talk exclusive content. And by that, we're reviewing the My Hero Academia chapters, and we have a new chapter. So that video will be out on Monday, and you can, if you read those mangas, you can check out that review. But other than that, that's about all we have coming on the network this week. And Thank you once again, Charles, for having me on. And thank you to all the fans who listen to Primetime weekly, daily, however many times you listen to Primetime. Thank you, thank you, thank you, because without you guys, we couldn't do this amazing content. And like Charles said, we definitely clipped 50 episodes a long time ago, but because he puts out a lot of amazing content, it's just the number. But thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this podcast. And if you listen to any podcast on the network, thank you. We really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, just reiterating what Lyndon said, uh, really appreciate all the fan support and all the interaction we get, whether it be through email, Twitter, or uh, you know, in, in other forms of media. Uh, but this wraps up episode 51. Once again, I want to thank Jake for coming on, uh, talking Pelicans, as it is an exciting time for New Orleans basketball. But for Jake Madison, for Lyndon Burton, my name is Charles Reese, your host. Y'all have a great week. Have a happy Easter. And as always, God bless.